holding bitterness, resentment, or a grudge against. You see, I would like to think that as Christian people, we are extremely forgiving and we're known for that. The truth of the matter is, I've experienced otherwise. I've had the opportunity to serve in five different churches, different denominations, different backgrounds, even different continents. And I've seen a consistent theme amongst the churches I've served in that Christians aren't necessarily very good when it comes to forgiveness. I've also seen in interacting with people in the community that Christians are oftentimes not the people who are seen as forgiving, but they're critical, judgmental. They're quick to point out when something's wrong, and they're quick to rejoice when their enemies suffer. And I think that's not extraordinary. That's ordinary. I could go out today and I could find you a whole herd of people who are terrible at forgiveness. There's plenty of those. And I wonder as God's church, Restoration Life, are we a forgiving church? Do we exhibit to this community that we live in forgiveness? When I was at the church that I served at in Holland, I got to sit on the elder board there for uh, four years. During those four years, I served with a lot of different guys. There was one guy in particular, though, who was a real troublemaker. Now, he had a lot of great qualities. Don't get me wrong. He could do some things extremely well. In fact, we were part of a Baptist church, and if you know much about Baptist churches, you know that for a person to serve on the elder board, it usually means that the congregation identified that person as one of the most spiritually mature people in their midst. And there was a vote of all the people who were members in that congregation. And in that vote, that person had to be affirmed by at least three out of four people. So this guy that I'm speaking about obviously did something to catch the eye of the people in the congregation to the extent that they would first of all nominate him and second of all affirm that he should serve as elder. So he had some gifts. But this guy was really angry about a lot of things. And in the course of sitting on the board with this particular guy, I found that he was particularly angry with the senior pastor that had just left. Not only that, he was one of the main reasons that that guy left. There was something that went on between those two families that he was still quite angry about. And as I sat down with him one day, for probably the fourth or fifth time in the three months that I had been there, this guy mentioned to me once again, what a terrible guy the last pastor was. And I couldn't believe it. You know, the first couple times I go, wow, he's really, he's really upset. He's going to have to deal with that. But after like five times, I just had to stop him. And I said, you know what? I didn't know that guy very well, but everything I knew about him, he was a great guy. And you've mentioned like four or five times now what a horrible guy he was. And I said, you know, I just appreciate it if if." If you feel that way and that's between you and him, you need to work that out. But please don't mention anything bad about him in front of me anymore. Do you know how he took that? He started shaking his finger in my face and he told me, you don't know what that man did to me and my family. Well, there's a problem there. The text this morning reminds us that God expects us to forgive people. And even if they've done something to you, to your family... That still holds true. God expects you to forgive. And this man was struggling to let go, to forgive what he perceived as a slight. And this was 
three years that this had been going on, and he's still holding on to it, still holding on to it. And it was consuming him to the extent that in this guy's case, he could not let go of it. And as I served with him that next year, it came up over and over and over again. I confronted on it. I confronted him on it over and over again. And eventually it ended with him throwing his hands in the air, throwing his book on the floor, and peeling out of the parking lot and resigning. All he had to do was forgive. But he couldn't. He could teach the Bible. He could quote scripture. He could lead a group of people. He could sway an audience. But he couldn't forgive. And I wonder about you and I. How are we doing in the area of forgiveness? Are you able to forgive? You see, when you and I forgive other people, we are proving that we understand what it means to be forgiven. When I forgive somebody, even though what they did was wrong, I am proving to them that I understand forgiveness, that I understand what it means to be forgiven. And you cannot be a Christian unless you understand forgiveness. If you don't understand what it means to to fall short of God's standard, to sin against God, and then to be reconciled or brought back into relationship with him through Jesus Christ, then you don't understand forgiveness. But if you do understand that forgiveness that God offers to you, then you have an opportunity to pass that on to somebody else. When we refuse to forgive, we allow the sin that somebody committed against us to revisit us a second time. So the first time that person commits a sin against you, they offend you, they do something that's wrong, you suffer, sometimes very greatly. But by not forgiving them, you allow that suffering to continue a second time, possibly a third, possibly even more. There's no exceptions to God's rules. Sometimes we think we're an exception and we say, well, in general, somebody should forgive, but in this case, there's, there's an exception. It was something, it was too great, and I can't forgive. And that's what this fellow was doing on the elder board. He had made an exception. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15, because we want to know what God's word has to say about forgiveness. It's Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15. says this for if you forgive men when they sin against you your heavenly father will also forgive you verse 15 but if you do not forgive men their sins your father will not forgive your sins if you forgive men when they sin against you your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive men their sins your father will not forgive your sins. That's heavy. Because this passage reminds us that if you refuse to forgive others, if you continue to hold them captive to your bitterness, your resentment, if you, if you can't wait to rejoice over when they fall flat on their face, if you're feeling that sense of bitterness and resentment, if you've not released them, if you've not forgiven them, then God says, I will not forgive you. For the places where you've come up short. And believe me, there's not a person in the room today that won't come up short by the end of this afternoon. 
we struggle to get it right. We need God's forgiveness. We live and breathe in relationship with God based on forgiveness. And yet when we don't forgive others, God's word tells us he won't forgive us. Oh, I want God to forgive me, but I'm not forgiving them. No way. You don't know what they did. Why is it that God is willing to forgive you, but you want to hold on to the bitterness that you have towards others? Now, some of you are sitting there and you're going, that's too heavy. That's too much. Who could ever live up to that? That must be taken out of context. Let me read some other verses for you. Matthew 7, 2 says, For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Matthew 18, 35, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. And that's in the context of that parable where he says there is a, a guy who has been forgiven much, and then he goes out and he says to someone who owes him, uh, I won't forgive you. God says, how can you live with that discrepancy? I forgave you. Go out and forgive others. Mark eleven twenty five. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. If you hold anything against anyone, forgive him. Colossians three thirteen. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. It's only by God's grace that you have the opportunity to forgive. James 2.13, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Ephesians 4.30 and 32, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God in whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you you see God's word is very clear he expects what he's done for you to be passed on to others and so the first point I want to highlight this morning is forgiveness begins with God it's a pattern that he gives us in the way that he interacts with us and then he says, pass that on. And the way that God forgave you was unconditionally. He said, whatever you've done in the past, whatever, whatever things that you've done to offend me, and the way that I created this world to be, the way that I created you to live, all of those things, I will forgive each and every one of them over and over and over again. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that same pattern and I want you to forgive others. Why do we forgive? How do we forgive? It's all tied up in the example of the Lord Jesus Christ and the way that he forgave you. Do you realize when we put this cross up here on Sunday morning, this isn't just decoration. That's a reminder. That's a painful reminder. When we put that scarlet cloth on there, the red, that's a reminder. The God of the universe shed blood so that he could forgive your sins. It cost him dearly. And then when somebody offends us, we say, I can't forgive it. It's too great. The example that God gave to us is through his own death on the cross in your place, forgiveness was granted to you. You are then expected to pass it on to others. If God was able to do all of that for us, how can we withhold it from others? 
The pattern seems very clear in Scripture, but yet it's so hard to live out. The second thing I want to remind you this morning is forgiveness is difficult and often very costly, as we just saw in the example of the cross. But in the end, forgiveness can turn out to be the sweetest thing. When you are willing to forgive others, you open the door to some wonderful experiences in life. I know that many of you have had some sweet interchanges with God through worship, as you've interacted with your Savior, and you've just felt His presence with you, and you've said, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have God in my life. I don't know how I would have gotten through that thing if I didn't have God in my life. Where you were at times where you were bottomed out, where you were depressed, where you were scared or anxious, and God was so real with you that you were able to make it through, and you said, that was a sweet experience. But all of that sweetness came at a price. And that price, again, was the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Sometimes it hurts really bad to forgive. You say, oh, man, that's too much. It hurts too much. And you back off and you say, I don't want to forgive. I'm not ready yet. I want to hold on to the bitterness a little while longer. But we're reminded in the cross that if you're willing to forgive, then sweetness may be just around the corner. You may have an opportunity to experience a restoration of joy and peace and maybe even relationship. What will it cost you to forgive today? I don't know the answer to that. But I know this, if you're willing to pay that cost, then you could taste something really sweet. Matthew 16, 25 says, Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. God may ask you to lay down your life to do the right thing. He may do that. But in laying down your life, you may just gain real life. And oftentimes we say, I couldn't do that. Oh, Lord, I couldn't do that. And you know God's calling you to do it, but you still won't do it. And if you refuse to do what God has revealed in your life, you may end up saving your life only to lose it. Respond to what God, through the Holy Spirit, is going to say to you this morning about forgiveness. God doesn't put limits on forgiveness. You know, sometimes people say, well, if I forgive that person and I don't, you know, I don't worry about it, they're going to do it to me again. And, you know, that may be true. And I just want to point out to you this morning that I'm not asking you to put yourself in some situation where you know somebody's going to take advantage of you again because they've done it in the past. I'm asking you to release them of what they've done in the past. As you walk forward into the future, you may need to avoid certain situations, certain relationships. It's true. The Bible says, be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Mostly I'm talking about that harmless as doves this morning. Don't be a person of wrath. Don't wish ill on somebody. But be wise in the way you live. If you know there's a situation, a relationship, where you are going to be beat up and battered, I would encourage you to avoid that situation. That's wisdom. But don't bring the bitterness with you. Don't bring the resentment with you. Don't hold that over their head for the rest of your life. In doing so, you'll lose what's most precious, and you'll hang on to what is worthless. The third thing I want to point out this morning is that forgiveness is an act of worship. We don't often think of it that way. We think singing, praying, reading the Bible. Okay, that's worship. 
But forgiveness is an act of worship because when you forgive others as Christ forgave you, essentially what you're saying is that God is a better judge than I am. He's more capable of judging somebody than I am. Romans 12, 19 and 21 says, Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, Yancey, in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, says it this way. At last I understood in the final analysis, forgiveness is an act of faith. By forgiving another, I am trusting that God is a better justice maker than I am. By forgiving, I release my right to, even, to get even, and I leave all the issues of fairness for God to work out. I leave in God's hands the scales that must balance between justice and mercy. And you know, when someone's offended you, you go, well, I don't want them to get away with it because they're just going to do it to someone else. And you can think of all kinds of ways to rationalize why they need to get punished for what they did. And the scriptures remind us God will hold everybody to account for everything that has been done. God has never forgotten a single offense that has ever been committed by anybody. He's never missed one. He knows about all of them. And in God's accounting process, he is able to deal with each and every one. They will either be paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ, or they will be paid in full by the person who did it at the day of judgment. And if the blood of Christ isn't covering it, he'll demand full payment from that person. God can bring wrath. God can bring justice. And he says, let me hold the account. Let me keep tabs. You don't need to do that. What God's calling you to do, forgive, release, let go. As often as we want to hang on, God calls us over and over again in Scripture to let go and to trust him. And when we do, we reaffirm that in our heart, we believe that God is able to do what we cannot do, which is to make the right call every time, which is to never miss a sin, never to be too lax. And God knows how to do his job. And when you tell him, God, you know how to do your job better than I do, that's worship. You're worshiping God. You're affirming how much he's worth in your life, that he's so much greater, so much better than you. When you forgive, you worship. It's an act of worship. Lack of forgiveness is withholding worship from God. And then lastly, forgiveness proves that God is alive. It's a great proof for who God is. I can forgive you because God forgave me. It's a proof of his life. John 13, 35 says this, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if, and you know the rest, you love one another. It's proof. If you love one another, people are going to look at you and they're going to go, that's extraordinary. That's different. People don't normally act that way. And that's going to be a living proof that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what God said should mark the church. So we should be known, the church should be known as the most forgiving bunch in town. You should be known as the most forgiving person in your family. You should be known as the most forgiving people, person in your workplace or where you go to school. You should be known as somebody who loves and loves well. How you treat others is proof 
that God is alive and that he's good. Luke uh, 7.47 says, She who has been forgiven much loves much. This is a woman who came to Jesus and washed his feet. And Jesus pointed out that she was able to love so much because she had been forgiven so much. If your past is filled with mistake after mistake after mistake, and you've had to go to God over and over again and say, Lord, I blew it. I got it wrong again. And God says, you're forgiven, my child. If you have been forgiven much, then you should love in proportion. Whoever has been forgiven much loves much. How many things has God forgiven you for? How many perfect days have you lived on this earth? Your whole relationship with God is based on Him forgiving you over and over and over again. And if He stopped forgiving you today, your relationship with Him would end today. God demonstrates forgiveness for you. And He says, pass it on. And He goes one step further and says, if you are unwilling to do that thing, to pass it on, If your relationship with me is based on God, you can forgive me, but don't you dare ask me to forgive him. And God says, that's not the way I work. If you want forgiveness from me, you better be willing to pass it on to him. And you say, but I, God, what he did was too, it was too much. Do you really want God to pull out the list of what you've done? Do you really want God to to, to pull out the list that he has of every thought that's ever gone through your brain? Because if you're like me, you've thought some things you'd rather nobody else knows about and we never have to revisit. You know you have. You've wished that people would die. You've wished some pretty horrible things on people. And yet God doesn't pull out that list. He forgives and he moves on. And he says, I want you to do the same. Are you a person who's able to forgive? So forgiveness begins with God. He's the pattern. He demonstrates it. He asks us to pass it on. Secondly, forgiveness is difficult and costly, but in the end, it can be sweet. It cost Jesus' life, and it saved yours. Thirdly, forgiveness is an act of worship. God is a better judge than I am, and when we forgive, we reaffirm that, and we worship Him. Number four, forgiveness proves God is alive. If you can't forgive, then how will anybody know that God is who He said He was? It's a great testimony. I want to challenge you this morning that you would think of the people that you need to forgive. And um, as I close in prayer, I just want you to keep your eyes closed until you finish this conversation with God. But I want you to ask God to reveal to you if there's anybody that you need to forgive. If there's anybody that you've been withholding from that needs forgiveness from you. I want you to imagine as you have your eyes closed that Jesus is suffering on the cross. That they're pulling out nails and and pounding them through his arms and his his feet. I want you to imagine all that he did to forgive you. And then I want you to imagine once again those people that God brings to your mind that need forgiveness. And ask God to give you the strength to forgive them. So... As I go to prayer, the team is going to come up and and begin the music for the last song. I don't want you to open your eyes until you've finished that conversation with God. When you have, then you can stand up and, and begin to sing. Heavenly Father, we just ask right now, Lord, each one of us, that you would reveal to us 
how you want us to live out forgiveness. Lord, who is it that we have hatred and bitterness towards? Who is it that we've refused to release from our own grasp, from our anger, from our wrath, from our fantasies of them suffering? Lord, who are those people? Would you reveal them to us and would you give us the strength, the grace to forgive them as you forgave us? Lord, remind us of those things now, Lord. Bring them to our minds so that you can change us, that you can help us become extraordinary for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was going to do something fast, but we got a little buzz up here. But I think we'll do, we'll do that song again that we did.
And that is the place where I'm changed. And that's where I belong. Take me to that place, Lord. To that secret place where I can be with you. You can make me like you. Wrap me in your arms. Wrap me in your arms. Wrap me in your arms. Take me to that place, Lord. To that secret place where I can be with you, you can make me like you, wrap me in your arms, wrap me in your arms, wrap me in your Take me to that place, Lord, to that secret place where I can be with you. You can make me like you. Wrap me in your arms. Wrap me in your arms. Wrap me in your arms, yeah. Wrap me in your arms. Wrap me in your arms, wrap me in your arms. Take me to that place, Lord, to that secret place where I can be with you. You can make me like you. Wrap me in your arms, wrap me in your arms. 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 In your arms. Wrap me. Father, we just want to be wrapped up in your arms, God. We want to come into your bosom, Lord. We love you, Lord. All forgiving, Father. And we've done so much wrong, Lord, but it's all forgiven. It's all forgiven. Wrap me in your arms. Wrap me in your arms. Wrap me in your arms. 
Father, we want to thank you this morning for giving us an opportunity to, to forgive, to be reminded that if we don't forgive, you cannot forgive us, Lord. So we withhold by actions, we withhold your forgiveness to us, God. God, help us to go out and to show the city that you are truly alive through our actions, God, through the way we love people, the way we forgive people, God, so that we may experience that sweet, sweet presence, Lord, so that we may experience the sweetness that Pastor Dan was speaking about that comes after you release and let go. Let go of that which corrupts within us, God. Help us to do that. And help us to embrace people, God. The way you embrace us. The way you forgive us. The way you love us, God. We need your strength, Lord, to do that. We cannot do it on our own. So equip us today, God, as we go out. Bless these folks, Lord. Strengthen them. Fill them with your spirit, Lord. May they be extraordinary, God, in the way they forgive, the way they love. We ask for these in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. May you guys be released from that which you've been carrying. May you release those that need releasing and forgiving. And may God bless you as you love, in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>